It's Daily Thunder, thundering out the truth of Jesus Christ live every morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more about our discipleship programs or to support this podcast, visit ellerslie.com. And now here's today's special guest, Joseph Mockler. So if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to uh, 2 Corinthians 5. And we're being verse 18. Interesting, about a year, year and a half ago, I and a couple of my siblings were driving out here from Florida, and we stopped in Tennessee to see our grandfather, who was just turned 96, um, and we took him out for dinner. And I remember, I don't remember everything Grandpa said, but I remember this. He, he, he had one of us turn to this passage in our phone. He's like, now this is your job. And I'm like, wow. Think at, thinking back on that, I'm like, that, I want to be that. I want to be, you know, in my late 90s or mid-90s, still preaching to my grandkids and saying, go do this. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. It says, now all things, actually, let's back up and give some context. Let's start in verse 16. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So did anybody notice that reappearing word in there that was used several times? Nobody did? What was it? Right, reconciliation. It's used five times in that passage. So, I had a wrong perspective of reconciliation when I started this. I thought it meant this. And then Dan's like, no, 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 it doesn't mean that. It means this. I'm like, oh, that's good. Um, So, there's actually three different Greek words that the New Testament translates into English for reconciliation. So, three different Greek words, but we have one English word that it's translated into English. So, let me give you one through the three. I'll give them to you. So, the, fr- the first one is, applies to a quarrel in which a fault may be two-sided or one-sided, never used referring to God. So, for example, the only time it's actually it's used in the New Testament is in Matthew 5, where it talks about um, bringing a gift. It says, leave there thy gift before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. So you have two people, right? And they're not reconciled with each other. Either this guy has sinned, or this guy has, or they both have. But either way, they're not in harmony with each other. They're separate from each other. Okay, that's the, and that's what I would have thought of. You reconcile, you bring those two type of people together that both have something against each other. But that's only one, one way. The second definition, uh, the other Greek word, is, here's the definition for it. 
to reconcile the restoration of a relationship of peace which has been disturbed, indicating the state to be left behind. So it was something that you previously had a relationship with, but then was broken. Okay? So say Ben and I are friends. We are friends. And, <laughs> and I do something against Ben. Ben didn't do anything, but I did it. And I, I slandered him, I lied to him, whatever, and there's, there's a disagreement between us. There's, there's something between us, and we're not reconciled. Now, Ben's in the right, but I'm not. Okay, so someone to bring reconciliation would come in, a third party, come and say, okay, let's bring reconciliation between you two. But it's not both of us, it's just Ben. Or sorry, it's just me that, that has the problem, okay? And, but, okay, but the point of that is we once had a relationship, okay, right? So it, it's, not, it's not coming to someone who I don't know, but it's bringing reconciliation between people who were once friends. So the third type, and so the third type, which is most commonly used in the New Testament, which is in this passage, it's, it's, this is the only Greek word you hear used in the passage, is to reconcile or set up a relationship of peace not existing before. Does that make sense? So, say Ben and I never knew, knew anybody, right? Okay, say Ben goes to the church. I'm like, Ben, there's a guy here I want you to meet. Ben has no idea who he is. My friend has no idea who Ben is. But I'm going to reconcile. I'm going to bring them into a friendship. But they've never known each other. Okay, so you see the difference? Does that make sense? So, all, fall, all five times here in this passage, that word, that Greek word, is used there. Okay? So that gives an idea for what Paul's talking about. So let's, let's walk through this. So it says, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Oh, I wanted to ask this question when I started, but I forgot to. Mm. I'll try anyways. So just for fun, who would like, you guys do? Who would say they're in full-time Christian service? Okay, a few, one, two, three, okay, a few. Okay, who is not in full-time Christian service but would want to be, like, like yeah, I desire to be in full-time ministry? Okay. Okay. We'll come back to that eventually. <laughs> so, um, so it says, okay, now all things are God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing or counting their trespasses to them. So, Paul says that God, we have God here, right? And we have us down here who are not reconciled. We're out doing our own thing, and we have God who is in the right. And we're in the wrong, and there need to be a mediator between us. And so it says that Jesus was that mediator who came down to us, right, and said, okay, let me show you the way how you can walk and be in right relationship with the Father. And it's, it's interesting. He says, that's what God did. And he said, he almost repeats himself, but he says how he did it. He says, that is, God was in Christ recon reconciling the world to himself. I had a thought. I don't know where it went. 
So, if we see God in Christ reconciling the world to himself, I have no idea where my thought went. <laughs> um, so let's go with this. Real quick. So ministry. Okay? So if God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Okay? So real quick, what's ministry? Definition of ministry is of those whom by the command of God proclaim and promote religion among men. So, those who by the command of God proclaim and promote religion among men. Well, what type of, recon- what type of ministry? Well, it's a ministry of reconciliation. Okay? So, Paul says, you each have been given a ministry of reconciliation. Okay? So, whether we want to be in full-time ministry or we don't, we actually are all called to be in full-time ministry. doesn't matter what we do. You know, I think so many times in America we think we, we have a, a graded list of spiritual people. You know, if you are a missionary, you're about the best type of Christian there is. Like, we will, we will get your picture up in the church. We'll have people praying for you weekly if you're, if you're a missionary. And I'm not trying to downplay missionaries. And then, you know, if you're a pastor... You're, you're maybe equal with them, and then you have, you know, elders and people who work for the ministry, and, you know, you go down, 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 down until you get to a janitor, and you can't get farther away from serving God than being a janitor. <laughs> right? We don't say that, but we think that. But we think that. But God says he's all given us the ministry of reconciliation. And I'd argue that's what everybody's job is. It doesn't matter your vocation doesn't matter if you're a pastor or a plumber or a preacher or a missionary or a welder or a carpenter. Your job is reconciliation. That's your ministry that he's given to us. So that's the call that he's given to us. And it's interesting. The word there is, is like um, that he's given to us. It's a free gift. In a sense, it's the same word that Jesus said, um, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your Father in heaven, which is in heaven, will give good gifts to him that asks. Same word, that it's something he just freely gives to us. He's given us this ministry. We don't have to earn it. He's given it to us. So, so here we go. So we say that God reconciled us to himself through his son. Okay? Right? And he did it. How do you say he did it? That God was in Christ. So God was empowering Christ to reconcile us to himself. So those who had no relationship, right? And now he's called us to do the exact same thing. To go out and be reconcilers to those who are not reconciled to God, and to bring them back. And he says he's given us the word of reconciliation. So the word of reconciliation, I was thinking about that, like, the word of reconciliation, what does that mean? Well, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So I think literally he's talking about the Holy Spirit, that he's given us the word 
of reconciliation. That in the same way that God empowered Christ to be a reconciler to us, so Christ empowers us through the Spirit to be reconcilers. And that's how we go. We go within the power of the Spirit. So, it says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. So, ambassador for Christ. We are all ambassadors for Christ. This was so neat. I looked this up in Webster's 1828, and here's the definition that they used of ambassador. It says, a minister of the highest rank, employed by one prince or state at the court of another, to manage the public concerns of his own prince or state, and representing the power and dignity of his sovereign. They are also called ministers. Isn't that interesting? So, a minister of the highest rank employed by a prince or a state. So, you can't get any higher than an ambassador. And we are all called ambassadors. So, there's nothing, oh man, I'm a preacher. I'm way better than everybody else. No, 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 no. It's just where the Lord has placed us, what he's called us to. But yet, within that, our calling is still to be ambassadors for Christ. And Paul says here that we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Who is Paul writing to in this context? Right, the church. The church at Corinth, obviously, right? He's writing to the church. But if you read through what the church is like in Corinth, it's pretty messed up, isn't it? (laughs) And so Paul says... He doesn't say, he doesn't use the word to reconcile those who were once had relationship with him. He says, no, be ye reconciled to God for the first time. Which, I haven't walked in. Seems so familiar in our church that we have a lot of people in church today, and play church, but they themselves need to be reconciled to God. So, couple thoughts. As I was thinking through the idea of an ambassador, and why don't we go? Ah. So, here's my burden, guys. I see so much in our Christian lives today, in our church, that we say we're Christians, we come to church, we go to prayer meetings, but what do we do with what we've been given? We've been given so much in Christ. We've been made ambassadors by the King of Kings. Why don't we go in his power, and in his strength. If we're one who, like an ambassador, is representing the power and dignity of his sovereign, if we're representing the power and dignity of Jesus, 
Do people in our workplaces, in our sphere of influence, do they see that in our lives? You know, if you said, say, say our president sent out an ambassador to another country, and he showed up with ragged clothes, his bones sticking through, he was so skinny, just disheveled, didn't have good manners, you know, was just a mess. What do you think that country would think of our Because he is the one who is representing us as Americans. And so I think in our lives, if people look at us, are we a good representation of our sovereign, of our king? Right? Is the fruit of the Spirit so flowing out of us that people can look at us and say, oh man, they are full of love. They are so full of peace, of self-control. Or do we fly off the cuff some, the minute someone cuts us off or someone annoys us? Or do we have the, or could someone look at our lives and say they are marked by the kingdom of heaven? Because people should be able to look at us and say, look it, that's what the kingdom of God is like. And as far as being reconcilers, guys, I just think, what are we living our way, our lives in a way that the Lord really has called us that way? Actually, are we actually doing something with our call? You look at the Old Testament, and that's basically what the prophets were. They were someone who stood between God and his people and called them back into relationship with God. Like, come back, come back, come back. And that's what we see in the Old Testament. And in Isaiah, it says that God wondered and saw that there was no intercessor. It says that God, in Isaiah 59, it says, God our, God's hand wasn't short to save. He could have saved his people. But he wondered that there was no intercessor. There was no one to, to take the call from God to his people down here and say, come back to where I've called you. And I think today, does God wonder that there's no intercessor, there's no reconciler in our land who will, who will take the, the righteousness of God and say, guys, look, you can be redeemed, you can be made right with God. Second Chronicles says, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those who, whose heart is loyal to him. That God's eyes were going back and forth throughout the earth to looking for a heart who was loyal to him through which he could show his power and his might through that individual and who he, whom he could empower. And would God, would God overlook our lives? Would he overlook my lives? Or would he say, no, I find one there who's faithful, one who is loyal to me and who I can flow through their life? And it's interesting, it says, it says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to him or against him. A holy God can't do that. A holy God can't just ignore sin. He's a just God. 
And so he answers, he, he, but he gives an explanation. In the end, he says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So there had to be something. God was holy far above us. We were down here. And there was a gulf of sin that separated us. And we couldn't just come into, into alignment with God because of our sin that separated for us. So Jesus said, I will take their sin. And I'll become sin for them so that they can take my righteousness and come into my standing and be reconciled to God. And that's what we've been been given to go proclaim to the nations that people can come in right relationship with God. They can be saved from their sin. And are we going to just sit by and let them go, go by and not say anything? I know the Lord had to work this in my heart. And like, what am I doing with, my, with where I'm at? Do I just chalk it off? Oh, I serve at Ellerslie, and that's my work for the Lord. Or am I reconciling God, men, to God and bringing them back into a relationship that he has given? And what am I giving my life for? You know, it was interesting. Um, I was at a friend's memorial service yesterday, or a friend's daughter's memorial service. And, and a friend of mine, um, Pastor Bob, was preaching, and he exhorted all of us from James. He says, our life is, is but a vapor. It's gone, just like that. I tried this morning. I was, I was up early, and I was outside, and I exhaled a deep breath, and I counted three seconds. My breath was gone. I couldn't see it anymore. And that's what our life is like, guys. Compared to eternity, our life is just like three seconds, here and gone. And what are we doing with our lives, I wonder? I see so many people so full of, of enjoying things in life. And that's fine. The Lord has given us things to enjoy. But are we delighting in that? Or are we delighting in who our God is? And in the context of all this, it's in, in chapter 5, Paul says in verse 9, Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he's done, whether good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. And then he goes on to say in verse 14, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge this, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. That we no longer get to choose what we do, but we've been commissioned by our king. And ambassadors aren't about their own business. They're about the business of the king who sent them. That they no longer get to make their own decisions fully. Yes, they have, they have decisions within their sphere, but they've been sent. They're on a mission. And if they're unfaithful, the king will find a new ambassador. So guys, our life is not our own, but we've been bought. And therefore, we should live fully for him. Not for ourselves. Not for what we can do. 
I think how many of us are just content to live our Christian lives within our Christian bubble at church and just keep it there with ourselves. We can't, guys. We can't keep it there. You look at all the world's problems. Everything comes back to a root of sin. Everything, whether financial, emotional, world peace. Everything comes back to sin. You deal with people's heart problems, everything else will take care of itself eventually. And you know, I was, I was thinking, you know, they started, you have the apostles in the New Testament, right? Twelve apostles. In a sense, the twelve disciples, the start of the church. Within about 70 years, they had won their world. Let me take it back. They had turned their world upside down for Christ, right? Just, but it started with only 12, guys, 12 men. So small. And I was, I was doing some research. There were about 300 million people in the world that time. And within about 70 years, give or take, they had turned their world upside down. Well, now today there's 7.7 billion people on the earth, which is 25 times more, times more than there was when Jesus was born. We have about, oh, 1,000 people, give or take, that listen to Daily Thunder daily. And I was thinking, what if all of us took the call of Jesus seriously, like the apostles did, and went out and lived it? 25 times 12 is only 300, right? So you have 1,000, you have over three times the amount in equivalent to what they had. That makes sense? We could turn our world upside down if we actually lived it and took the word of God seriously and, re- and, and relied upon it for what it said. You know, I think so many times we, just, we don't trust who our God is. Right? But what if, if we were ambassadors of America? Say President Trump came to us say, Hey, Ben, I want you to be my ambassador. I want you to go to, to Mexico and deal with something down there. And Ben's like, well, you know, I don't know. It's kind of dangerous down there. Well, that's okay. Hey, you know, got any problems? Seal Team 6, they're on the line. Call them. They'll deal with anything you got, you know? It's like, well, you know, money's kind of tight. Well, hey, look it. Fort Knox, give them a ring. You got anything you want. And Ben's like, well, I just don't know if that's enough. He'd be crazy. How much more for what our God has entrusted to us? Because President Trump doesn't have a millionth of the resources that our God does. And as ambassadors, he will fully supply all we need if we give to him and go. Because we're not on our mission, we're on his mission. If we're on his mission, he will supply and fully give us everything we need. And so guys, just are we living that? To where we are all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ... It's not just something we say, it's a reality. That I'm going to stand before God, who's going to judge me for everything I have done, whether good or bad. And can he look at me and say, well done, good and faithful servant, that you were a faithful ambassador with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You were a faithful ambassador with the spirit that I'd given to you. Or look at me and say, you were more concerned about your own pleasures about looking good to people. Going to church, sure, you look good, but were you faithful to me? And so like Paul said, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. 
Guys, if you're not reconciled to him, it doesn't matter how long you've been in church for. I was in church for the first 19 years of my life. I looked like, a, like I was a Christian. I talked like I was a Christian. But I didn't know Christ. My life wasn't surrendered to him. I was living my own life. Yeah, I had a facade of Christianity. And most people looked at me, they would have thought I was a Christian, probably. I had a lot of people fooled. But I wasn't fooling Christ. And I knew it. So guys, don't go any longer if you're not right with Christ and fully given to him and to his purposes. realize how short life is and let's live in light of eternity knowing that our God is desirous to fully supply us and give us the grace and the strength and everything that we need for life and for godliness to go into this world and preach the gospel. He that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He's given us all things we need, guys. And let's live in reality of that, that we're not our own, but we've been bought. Therefore, glorify God in your bodies while it's today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your word does not change. And that who you revealed yourself to be in your word is who you are today. And the promises that you gave in your word we can still stand firm upon today. Oh God, may we not be a people who just read your word and look at it and can dissect it correctly and talk about it. Lord, may we be people who get into your word and see Jesus for who he is. And as we see him for who he is, that we would be changed and conformed into his image. And Lord, that you would burden us with what you're burdened for. Lord, that we couldn't just see a dying world around us go to hell and watch and not care. But that, oh God, we would burden our hearts for those who are around us. Lord, that we would be looking for opportunities as we go throughout our days to be reconciling men back to you. And Lord, we thank you for the privilege that you have given to us in that. That you, the Almighty God, would choose us to be your ambassadors. Lord, may that not be something we take lightly or for granted. But Lord, may we be living in the reality of that, that we are ambassadors for Christ. And Lord, that we could stand before you one day and you would say, well done, good and faithful servant to each of us in this room, Lord, that we were faithful with the gospel, that we were faithful with the word of God in our lives, that we didn't keep it to ourselves, but that we were about your business, that we weren't about our own agenda, but that we were given to you. 
Oh, Lord, would you just burn that in our hearts, Lord. Lord, would you not let us be comfortable with where we're at, but would you push us and move us on? Lord, we ask this in the name of Jesus, for your sake, Lord. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is delivered live and streamed daily weekdays at 8.15 a.m. and weekends at 9.15 a.m. Join us at live.ellerslie.com. We invite you to visit us at the beautiful Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado for a day, a week, or an entire season of gospel-centered spiritual training. Learn more at ellerslie.com. Thanks for listening.